The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses six, verse 16. A new re- religion was an en- invented by a Massachusetts psychologist, uh, and it has, been, it has actually been gaining popularity uh, a lot more and more these days. It might be a little bit of a stall these days, but um, it's actually a, an ide- ideology or a group or a system of belief that you know, we would refer to as yoism. Um, this system of belief is based on um, what is referred to as an open source principle, where the general public becomes a combined creative authority and the source of truth. So the gathering of the people, the, the congregation, is the source of truth. One example of op- the open source phenomena that's been gaining and has been uh, popular for a while now is uh, uh, the successful online encyclopedia known as Wikipedia. Yoism operates and involves over the internet and has numerous contributors. It shuns traditional religious authorities uh, it, it throws out divine inspiration in favor of the wisdom of man. Uh, Bob Dylan, Albert Einstein, Sigmund Freud are among its most revered saints. So these are the, the people that they revere. Uh, Dan Kriegman, who founded Yoism in 1994, did so because he wanted to make religion open to change and responsive to the wisdom of people everywhere. He said, I don't think anyone has ever complained about something that didn't lead to some revision or clarification in the book of Yo. Every aware, conscious, sentient spirit spirit is divine and has direct access to truth. The idea of open source, source actually embodies that idea. So all that to say, there is no authority. Yep, that's our culture. More and more, every day, no authority. Everything we can to get rid of authority. And that's what we're going to be talking about today when it comes to the scriptures, uh, the authority of the scriptures. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the important understanding of the existence of God and how it's undeniable because of what I say, what I have been saying, is the impossibility of the contrary, meaning that without God, you cannot make sense of anything. You can't even justify. When somebody says, hey, two plus two equals four, so what? Without God, does it matter? Cannot make sense of anything. But the next issue that comes up all the time when it comes to evangelism is the Bible. See, if we understand that, number one, in Romans 1 makes it very clear, there's no such thing as atheists, because what can be known about God, God has showed it to them so much so and in such a way that we are all held without excuse Right? So if that's the idea, we believe scripture is the word of God, so we believe that. So what we don't do is we don't offer proofs of the existence of God. And I think that's one of the things that we've done over throughout church history that may be somewhat questionable. I will mess around with the proofs of God all the time just because I like to have fun you know, and, and talk with them about you know, how God can be demonstrated in every possible way. But the reality is, is that there's no such thing as atheists. The Bible tells us there isn't. So why are we giving them proofs for stuff that they already have? Do you think the proof that you're going to give them is better than the proof that God did? 
So what do we do? So what we do is we do what the scriptures tells us to do, and that is for us to destroy arguments that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. So what I do is I take the time to dispel of their worldview. I tear down their ideas. Okay, so then I get them stuck to the point where they can't answer. And so they see the futility of atheism and Gnosticism, deism, all that stuff. They see the futility of that. And then they get into this posture where it's just like, okay, well, you know what? You're not any better. And what they start to do is they start to attack the Bible. So in our culture today, the tables have turned the attacks on the Bible continue. And the reason why it's starting to make headway, especially in the church, is we are suffering from a clear lack of this thing called submission to authority. Now, I know even some of you feel that. Deep down inside, you feel that. When I say the word authority or I say submission to authority, you guys already checked out. Like, oh, oh my gosh, here we go. Another sermon about me having to submit to authority. <laughs> Shane, how many times have I told you, nobody tells me what to do? I decide for myself. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just how we are, prone to that. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting. That ideology or that posture that we have today when it comes to the lack of submission authority, you do know that's not biblical, Right? Oh, it got real quiet in here. Yeah, the Bible talks about how we need to submit to our leaders, submit to authority, submit to all that stuff. The Bible tells us that we need to submit to the scriptures, submit to even the apostles, the foundations of the faith. We submit. That's, that's all there. Do you know where we get the idea of rebellion, of, of rejection of authority? We get that from existential philosophy, existentialism. And, and if you guys are, you know, fans of Marvel movies, oh, there's plenty of existentialism in there. But you, you have to decide for yourself in order for you to have true meaning in life. So if you want meaning in life, you cannot do things that other people tell you to do. Figuring things out, deciding for yourself, doing things for yourself, that's the only true freedom people actually have. That's existential philosophy. It doesn't come from scripture. But... What happens is, is that because our culture is conditioned this way, we start to reject anything that starts to even smell a little bit like authority. You guys remember, and this is actually here, I'm kind of jumping off the paper. You guys remember, uh, some of you younger people probably won't, but you guys remember Leave It to Beaver? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that like a great show? I love that show. You know, Eddie Haskell, all that stuff. That was my favorite cat or character, Eddie Haskell. Do you know what I think is really interesting when you want to see the downgrade of this and how we as a culture have rejected authority? Do you notice on TV, dads aren't like Ward Cleaver anymore? Maybe the last, the last hurrah for the dads, the authoritative you know, uh, men of principle, men of character, maybe the last one was Uncle Phil. You know, from the Fresh Prince? You know, because that was Uncle Phil, you know, he, he was that. But the Ward Cleavers, the Uncle Phils, the, the, they're gone. You know, our fathers today, the authority figures today 
are the Homer Simpsons now. And that's, that's how we see. So you can see even in pop culture that we're starting to, that we're starting, not having, starting to, but have been seeing this downgrade of authority. So we're rejecting authority, pushing back on authority, the fruit of existentialism. And this is one of the things we find that we struggle with the church today. This is the main reaction of us today. And that shouldn't surprise us. The rejection of authority should not surprise us because was not this the thing that we saw very clear in the fall? Oh yeah. Because of the fall, we now decide for ourselves what's right and what's wrong. Essentially, that's a knowledge of good and evil. We now get to decide what's right and wrong for ourselves. We want independence when it comes to morality, when it comes to what it is that we do, our purpose in life. And one of the main things that's always put to the test when it comes to the authority in the church is the Bible. (laughs) This is how we live. This is what we want to do. But the problem for us today is the Bible is always saying something contrary. I got this great idea. I got this thing that's working for me. I got this thing that's happening. I'm I'm really happy with this. And then we read in the Bible something that says you can't do that anymore. And there's the struggle. And every single time this happens, Shane, I read the Bible and it just tells me I can't do this anymore. The Bible just doesn't want us to have any fun. The Bible just doesn't want us to to do anything that we want to do. We always got to do it this way. We got to do it his way. It's just not fair. It's always just not fair. Common response in evangelicalism now is different from what it was maybe 10, even 10 years ago. You know, now, today, if you want to do something and the Bible says something contrary, our response is, so what? It's a dated book. It's an ancient book. It's just full of myths and legends and, and tales and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't apply. It's not relative for today. So why should we even follow it? That's the common response that we get when it comes to the authority day. Why should I change anything? Or the response is, well, I read that I shouldn't do this in the Bible, even though I do this. This is how I live my life. This is how I want to live my life. The Bible says I shouldn't do it this way. So our response is, did the Bible really say that? Huh. Did it really say that that sin is wrong. You know, the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. But, I, you know, that's kind of my livelihood right now is I steal things. Um, <laughs> did the Bible really say I shouldn't steal? Or maybe that's just kind of a cultural thing, that it was wrong back then. But, you know, but obviously it's a correct today. Everybody steals. Did God really say that? Does the Bible really say that? Does that sound familiar to you? Think about what the devil said to Eve. Did God really say that? But the important theological principle when it comes to the doctrine of Scripture is the authority of Scripture. But the authority of Scripture is subtly undermined in the church today. 
The, just let me go through this just really quick, just to kind of set us up. Okay, so if you're taking notes today, <clears throat> the first way we undermine the authority of Scripture is this thing called silence. We just don't talk about the Scriptures that we have issues with. If there's stuff in the Scripture that you don't like, the stuff in the Scriptures that you have an issue with, we just don't talk about it. You know, I... I when, when I was in Bible college, I had this, uh, this ex-girlfriend uh, brought up in the infamous movement that I was brought up in when I was younger. And she basically was brought up as a Christian, lived her whole life as a Christian. But I would bring up constantly, because she, she had this belief that God wouldn't ever do anything, uh, wouldn't harm people in any way, wouldn't harm his people in any way. Well, the Bible, especially when you go through the minor prophets, we see something very, very different. God will judge us by his own hand. And I would show her scriptures like that, and she'd just get all upset and bent out of shape. And the response all the time was, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Why? Because when, you, when you're brought up in that quote-unquote prosperity gospel kind of movement, uh, you don't want to hear scriptures like that. So you don't tell people that kind of stuff. All you do is you get up on Sunday. You don't talk about how God judges his people. You tell everybody that we're the head, not the tail. We're above, not beneath. We're over, not under, right? Those are the scriptures that we hear. So one of the ways we undermine the authority is we're just silent about stuff. So because we're silent about that, we're not honest with it. The second thing that we do to undermine the authority of the Bible is we uh, do that, I, I just call it essentially embarrassment. Many, many of us are, are embarrassed about what the Bible says, especially in our culture today, right? I've actually heard preachers do this. Well, they'll say, like, like God's judgment, like let's take that subject, God's judgment. The next passage of the scripture that he wants to talk about is, is about judgment. And you'll hear people say this. I, I, I really... I, I don't like this. I really don't like this doctrine. I really don't like what God does here, but it's in the Bible, so we gotta, I gotta preach it. But I really don't like it. I think it's rude. I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair for God to judge people like this, but it's in the Bible, so we gotta talk about it. You hear this. People do this all the time. Like, I don't really like it, but I'm going to, I have to do it because it's the Bible. Do you know what we're saying? We're saying that we actually know better we know what people should hear. We know what we should be believing. Like, God didn't know what was going to happen in the 21st century, apparently. You know, he obviously didn't know, because the Bible is just, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't play today. So there's this embarrassment. So because this, it subtly gets in, where we start to think that, well, yeah, we talk about the Bible being our authority, but... You know, there's just some things in there that's probably just not good. So number one, we just don't talk about it. Or number two, if we do talk about it, we do emphasize the fact that we kind of disagree with it. You know, I mean, I, I had a pastor's wife actually tell me that she actually disagrees. You know, you know, remember the story with Jesus and Mary and Martha? You know, Mary's listening to him teach and, and Martha's working and serving and doing all the hospitality thing. And then Jesus said that Mary had the good portion by listening Remember that story? Yeah, she actually disagreed with Jesus. And said, I think Jesus was wrong in that. But because it's the Bible, we just got to go with it. 
This is how we subtly undermine the authority of Scripture. We do. So when Jesus says this is the better portion, do you know what we believe if we believe in the authority of Scripture? That that's the better portion. Whether I agree with it or not, whether it's culturally relevant or not, whether society is okay with this or not, we believe it because this is what our, word, our Lord said. The third thing that we're doing to undermine the authority of Scripture is we're legitimizing things that are clearly condemned in Scripture. Come on. You don't think we're doing this today? There's things that are clearly condemned in the Scripture, and we're starting to legitimize those types of sins. Oh, you need, you need proof of that? You don't need proof of that. Let me just give you a couple words. Homosexuality. I, I just, I just, it's so bizarre. There is not one moment in Scripture where God legitimizes and says that homosexual union is okay. Why is this trivial? Why are we going to this and going, oh, I don't know if, if there's, there, you know, I, I, just, I just think that there's like, you know, a fine line with this, a gray area with this. You know, it's just, it, just continues, it just continues to happen where, where these things are just legitimizing, trying to legitimize what the scriptures clearly condemn. It's what we're telling everybody and what we're telling ourselves is that we know better than God. So of course, we know better. So I'm the authority, not scripture. It's subtly causing us to undermine the authority of scripture. And then the fourth thing is ignorance. The ignorance is, this is what I'm saying when it comes to the ignorance part. It's not necessarily ignorance. It's just um, sometimes we come to scriptures that seem to be relatively ambiguous. We can't have, uh, there, there isn't good consensus where, you know, that's why there's denominations because we can't agree on these, these issues. And so, you know, the, the response is, Shane, there's so much in Scripture that we just don't know for sure. You know, we can't do that. So because of that, I, I'm just not going to take a stand. We just can't take a stand. So there's so much ambiguity. There's so many of these arguments, so many of these debates that it's just like nobody knows. So I'm just not going to take a stand. Do you know what the... You know what the, the um, the, the result of that kind of thinking actually is, like, you know, like, I'll admit, like, you know, baptizing for the dead, that one is really hard for me to comprehend. And, you know, you can go for years trying to study that to figure out, you just hear. So, yes, I'm not saying that there isn't those things, but not everything in the Bible is that unclear. Most of the scripture is very clear. But this is what happens when we take that posture like, okay, this, this, these people have, have 50 reasons, these people have 50 reasons to believe this, and this people. So because we don't know, I just don't know, so I'm just not going to take a position. Do you know what happens when you put yourself in that? You actually do take a position. And your position is whatever you want it to be. And you're allowed to do that. You know why? Because nobody else can figure it out. So I know better. So I'm going to operate in this the way I think I should operate in. The ignorance, ambiguous, too locked in the culture content. We just can't understand. So we just don't know. So in the end, we do what we want, which ends up being the pattern of this world because we are so culturally conditioned without the scripture. Seriously. 
We do what we think is right. In the end, <laughs> we do what's right in our own eyes. Wow, does that sound familiar? And the last thing, I think, I think this, is, this is really, really important. You know, some of you guys may be like, well, you know, I don't know, Shane, that, that sounds a little iffy. I, don't, I just don't think we read enough as Christians today. Now, when I say read enough, I don't think we're reading the good stuff enough. And I know this because when I go to your house, you know, you guys think that when I'm walking through your house and I go into your living room and all that stuff and I'm looking around and, and I'm looking at your bookshelf that I'm admiring the oak. I'm not looking at the oak. I'm not seeing whether or not your, your bookshelf matches the carpet. I'm not trying to figure out if this is good feng shui. <laughs> I'm looking at your bookshelf to see what you guys have been reading. Family, I, I, I know we read. I know we read. But are we really, really reading the stuff that we really need to be reading? The good stuff. The, the, the stuff about Scripture. The books, on, you know, uh, books that are written by, by Puritans. Now, I know some Puritans are better than others. But, you know, I, I think that when it comes to Puritan writings... All Puritans' writings are better than most today. <laughs> um, good things about the scriptures, about theology, all of that stuff. But here's the thing. This is what happens. You, but, but Shane, the reason why I don't do that is because you need to understand that when it comes to Christianity, I'm a Bible person. Uh, all I read is the Bible. I don't need to learn all that doctrine stuff. I don't need to learn all that theology stuff. It's all trivial. It's all a waste of time. It's just man's opinions. You know, family, even pastors will say stuff like this to me. I just preached the Bible. I don't need to learn theology. I don't need to know theology. The people don't need to know theology. The people don't need to learn theology. They don't need to know all of that kind of stuff. I believe the Bible and I do what it says and that's all I have, the Bible. I do what it says. That's it. I don't need to know all that theology stuff. You know who else says things like this? You know who else says these things? They're called Jehovah's Witnesses. They're called Mormons. They're called false teachers. They're called heretics. They all say that. I just preach the Bible. I don't need all that doctrine. I don't need all that theology stuff. Just give me the Bible. They all say that. What makes us different? is our theology, is our doctrine. You know, when the Bible says that the Father is greater than the Son, if you don't have your theology in order, you're starting to think that there's a hierarchy when it comes to the, the, the true essence, when it comes to the Trinity, that there's no equality in the Trinity. Now, of course, there's, there isn't equality in the economic Trinity, but when it comes to their essence, they're equal. That makes, that's what makes us different from a lot of these groups. That's theology. So let's not do that. Let's not say that, oh, well, I'm just not going to learn any theology or anything like that. No, the reality is, is you do have a theology. The question is not whether you have theology, whether you have doctrine or not. That's not, you have it. I can prove to you that you have it right now. The minute I say, if I ask you the question, who is Jesus? The minute you tell me who he is, you're giving me doctrine. 
The question is not whether you have doctrine or not. You have doctrine. The question is whether it's good or it's bad. This is how we undermine the authority of the scripture. Of the, the, the scriptures. So it, since it can affect the way we interpret the scriptures, then I would say that it's pretty important for us to know these types of things. So that's why I'm encouraging you, read. Read stuff. If you're not sure, call me. I, I'd, I'd love to talk to you guys about some books that you guys could be reading to kind of help you, especially in our cultural context, okay? And it's not books like The Purple Cow. It's not books like The Secret. It's not books like The Shack. Ooh. Ooh. I'm just letting it all out today. You know, I just, after you have surgery, you kind of wonder if you're going to die tomorrow. So I might not be here tomorrow to take your phone calls. We need to learn the good stuff. But all these things contribute to the undermining of the authority of the scriptures, which is so important for us today. We will fail our culture if we don't get the authority of scripture back. Seriously. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the light that you give us, Lord. I pray that we will hide your words in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today, this is going to be real quick. Um, the first thing we're going to look at today is the self-authenticating character of the Bible being the very word of God. The second thing we're going to look at is uncover the truthfulness of the scriptures, that it's infallible and that it's iner inerrant in its original manuscripts. And the last thing we're going to look at is the difficulties with scriptures that tend to come from the fact that we love the darkness more than the light. But through Christ, we can be in the light as he is in the light. So our thesis statement today is this. Again, the thesis statement is me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world causes us to doubt the very word of God and its truthfulness, it is the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to know the truth, and by knowing the truth, it will set us free. So number one, we have to understand when it comes to the Bible, it's so cliche today that I'm wondering if we really understand what it means when we say this. We call the Bible the word of God, right? Yeah. So how do we define the authority of the scriptures? The best way, I, I, get, I get this from Wayne Grudem, um, to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. You disobey the Bible, you are disobeying God. You don't listen to the Bible, you're not listening to God. It's equate that, that much. That's the authority of the scriptures. We have to hold that. The authority of scriptures means that in all the words of scriptures, God's words are so much so and in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve and to disobey God himself. So do we see the real power in that? See, I think that's one of the things I feel like we've lost in modern evangelicalism today. We've lost that I'm hoping that we can recapture again 
It's in a, we're in that time where we're, we're wait, the, 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 our culture is waiting for the church to recapture this again. There's just too much compromise. There's been so much compromise in the church today that if you really want to be novel and you want to be different, then it's actually, diso- or it's actually believing that the Bible is the word of God. That's the different things today. So do we see the real power in that? And the thing that's amazing about this is that the scripture makes the claim that it is the very words of God for itself. So this is why I think that the self-authenticating issue when it comes to the Bible, meaning that the Bible tells us that it is God's word. The Bible tells us that, right? So the reason why that's amazing is because we're not trying to make the Bible something that it doesn't claim for itself. That's 50% of the battle right there. Do you imagine how difficult it would be to, to actually give answers for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect, you know, with a skeptic? If the Bible doesn't even make this claim for it, why are you guys trying to say that it's God's word when it doesn't even think that it's God's word? Yeah, that's a huge hurdle. But now because it authenticates itself, the burden of proof comes on the person who's going to try to say that it's not. Good luck. The Bible says it, very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teach us what is true, what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. Galatians 1, 11 to 12. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel, for it did not receive it from any man, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 10, verse 7. Luke 10, 7. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker de- deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now, again, the beauty of this is that it's equated as scripture. Here's what I found. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay, the Nuggets won, yay. (laughs) The reason why that is is because he's quoting uh, Luke, and Luke is is there as Scripture. It's like the other 316, 2 Peter 316, 2 Peter 316, as he does in all the letters when he speaks in them. This is Peter talking about Paul's writing. In them, these matters. These are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Do you know what that is? That's Peter saying that Paul's writing is scripture. The Bible makes this claim. Makes this claim. Now, there's so many other things I can do, but I'm going to skip that just because I want to get to this point right here. But you know this already. What? Yeah, yeah. You know this already. And if you guys know me, for for many of you who've been here the six years I've been here now, you know I'm setting you up. Because when we hear the word of God, it bears witness with our spirits that it's the word of God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, 2 Corinthians 2, 13 to 14. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So you know this already. If you are a Christian, if you're alive in Christ, you know this already. John 10, 4 to 5. John 10, 4 to 5. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Apart from the work of the Spirit of God, a person will not receive spiritual truths. And in reality, they will not receive or accept the truth that the words of Scripture are in fact the Word of God. It will not be apparent to you if it were not illumined. But for those who are, who in, who, those in whom God's Spirit is working, there is a recognition that the words of the Bible are the words of God. This is a serious thing if you don't recognize this. So this is why it's like, man, Shane, you always get uptight about the stuff when people have doubts about the Bible. People get doubts about the Bible, you get so uptight about it. You get so upset about it. Why is it that you get upset about it? Why do you get bent on a sheep? Why can't you just leave them alone? Why can't you just let them believe what they want to believe? Why can't, you do all this? why can't I do all that stuff? Let me tell you why. Because if you don't recognize and realize that the Bible is the word of God, you might not be a Christian. Whoa, thank you. Thank you. I was worried that was going to be real quiet. Could it be, if you don't see that the Bible is the word of God, could it be that the Holy Spirit's not working in you? This is why I say it's not a small thing for Christians to reject the Bible or see it as not important in their lives or not important to their daily lives. If you just say, well, I don't think that the Bible is God's word. I think it's just man's voice. I think it's just man's writing. Well, then you're not recognizing the voice of God. My sheep know my voice. They're not going to follow any other. They're not going to follow any other. Christians will recognize God's word. It's rather as people read scripture, they hear their creator's voice speaking to them in the words of scripture and realize that the book they're they're reading is unlike any book. And it is indeed a book of God's own words speaking to their hearts. And I'm just, I just pray that our hearts would be troubled greatly if we don't see this and we don't see how extraordinary the Bible really is. You know, Shane, that that actually kind of worries me. Well, you should be worried. Because to disobey the Bible is to disobey God. For years and years now, for years and years now, the Bible has been put to the test. Family, this is over. This is why I say, and I turn on and flipping through the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, PBS, all the channels. And there's some PhD from a reputable university talking about the inconsistencies, the errors, the problems, manuscript evidence, all of this stuff when it comes to the Bible. And they're re- 
all they're doing is rehashing and regurgitating issues that have been solved for centuries now. There's nothing. I can't believe that it continues to happen, but there is nothing. Shane, what about the other books? So what? Nothing. And I repeat, nothing compares to the Bible, and it doesn't even come close. It's not even close, family. There's nothing else. The Bible has been shown for over 2,000 years now that it is historically accurate. Do you realize that all these people are like, oh, well, we're finding in history that, this, that the Bible is actually wrong in this area, and then they find out a year later when they dig a little more, oops, the Bible was right. It actually was there. They keep doing this. This happens all the time. 2,000 years now, the Bible has shown itself to be historically accurate. It is internally consistent. And yes, there are no contradictions that have been confirmed over the two or the 20, over 20,000 copies of scriptures from dating all the way from the first century to the 15th century, written in all different languages, found in all different places, in all the countries over the world, and it's all consistent. All the variants, all have been answered for years and years now. The Bible contains prophecies that have been fulfilled hundreds of years later. So striking. The fulfillment of prophecies that the Bible gives is so strikingly accurate that, that the, the quote-unquote scholars are saying that just proves that, that, the, that these books were written after the fact that it was, the prophecy was fulfilled. Well, what do you mean that proves it? Because there's no way... Anything or anybody can be that correct when it comes to a prophecy. It's so correct and so accurate that they're saying it just has to be done after the fulfillment. There's no way it can be that accurate. It has influenced the course of human history more than any other book, and it continued changing the lives of millions of individuals throughout all of history. That through it, people come to find salvation. That it has majestic beauty and profound depths of teaching unmatched by any other book. And that it claims hundreds of times over to be God's very words. Family, it's done. It's over. There's nothing anybody can say. Nothing anybody can do. Nothing they can do to change this. They can't. It's so overwhelmingly, it's just, it's just amazing. The only thing that you can conclude when you actually do a deep study about scripture is that it's the word of God. There's just no other way. No other way. Thousands and thousands and thousands of copies that we found in different languages all over the world and it all says the same thing. It says the same thing. And we want to doubt this? Oh, well, I just don't think that, it, that it's God's word. You know the thing that I also say to you that I want to add to that? And I don't think enough theologians are adding to this. It's not even just the Bible. Do you guys realize how many works about the Bible are out there? Hey, you know what I'm saying? 
commentaries about the Bible that's out there, theology books that are out there. Let's just put all of that, those books aside. Songs that are written by people inspired by Scripture. Paintings. Sculptures. You're telling me that the Bible isn't influential? That the Bible doesn't show that it's inspirational? That the Bible, that, that the Bible is different from other people? Sure, they did a three-part movie of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they did a three-part movie. They're even doing Amazon, you know, one of those made-for-TV Ring of Power thing, which actually kinda, I kind of like that. Do you want to talk about the thousands of films and movies that they've done about the Bible? Come on. There's nothing. There's no comparison. It's not even close. And I mean not even close. It's so unique, so impeccable. And the issues, where there may be issues, do you realize that we don't hide from it? We don't hide from it at all. We're honest about the issues, and we're able to answer it. All of these things have been it. Someone brings up, hey, Shane, there's a contradiction in Scripture. Here's a contradiction right here in Scripture. Shane, you say that it's true. There's a contradiction right here. All you got to do, this is all you got to do. Go to Google, put the contradiction in Scripture in there, and I guarantee you there's like 50 to 60 different sites that are going to give you an answer to that contradiction, pointing out the fact that this quote-unquote contradiction has been solved since the third or fourth century. This is nothing new. They're not bringing up anything new. That's what I'm saying. One of the great tools of being, of, of, uh, for us Christians as being able to defend Scripture is Google. Any issue that anybody brings up when it comes to Scripture, type it in Google. And it's not just one. There's all these ministries, all these things. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's just like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. That's a good contradiction. Yeah, that, does, that would be a problem, actually. Type it in Google, bang! R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Alistair Begg, all of these guys got, just all, it's all solved, it's all done. And it's just like, you read what they say, it's like, ah, oh, oh, yes! When all the attacks are made for thousands and thousands of years now, when the dust settles, the Bible remains undefeated. Can I say that again, John? Let me say that again. The Bible remains undefeated. Defeated. All the guys on TV are lying to you. The Bible is extraordinary. It's infallible. Inerrant in the original manuscripts. Inerrant. It's inspired. It is the very breath of the living God. And to disobey the Bible is to disobey God himself. It's true. True. The authority of the Bible is really clear. It's true. Why? Point number two, God can't lie. How important is this when we do not know who's telling the truth in our culture anymore? We all know that there are lies galore out there. How in the world are we ever going to know what is true? God's word is the only epistemological starting point. It is the only point that we can start to actually be able to know truth. 
Because if you're actually going to say that this is something true, in order for you to say that this truth is true, you have to have comprehensive knowledge of that one thing. So even if you say things like, all swans are white, you can't say that is the truth unless you've actually seen what? Every single swan. Can you do that today? No. Because you would have to have seen all the swans that are dead. You can't even do that. So you can't give truth today like that. You can't even say something simple like that. You know, all snow is white. Not in the backyard of my house. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't say these types of things. The only way you can know truth and say, make truth statements is you have to know everything. Or there is one other way you can know truth. Or, here it is. This is worth the price of admission today. Or, if somebody who knows everything tells you. Do you get that? You know truth if you know everything. Or, if somebody who knows everything tells you. And the amazing things that we see in Scripture is that the person that we know that knows everything he also makes it very clear that he cannot lie. There's no lying. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, Titus 1 2, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And since the word of God are God's very words, since God can't lie or speak falsely, it is 100% correct to conclude that there is no untruthfulness or error in any part of the word of Scripture. The Bible is all truth. So family, why do we struggle with the authority of the Bible today? When we've got all of that, and I just scratched the surface. If you guys want, man, there is hundreds of things that I could have given you today when it comes to the authority of Scripture. So if we have all this, why, why, why do we struggle with it? Well, we talked about five different reasons why earlier, how we undermine the authority of the Scripture. But here's the number one reason why we undermine the authority of Scripture. And it comes from uh, a verse that comes right after, I think, one of the most popular verses of all of Scripture. Everybody knows this verse. But I think that because this verse comes after that, we don't really know it. It's John 3, 19, right? John 3, 16. Yeah, this is John 3, 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. God, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. This is the reality. This is the struggle. The struggle is we love the darkness instead of the light. See, and one of the biggest problems I find with Christians today when it comes to the real lack of submission to the authority of the Bible, that if, if there's something there that you don't like, you depend on the pastor or you depend on some other church leader to tell you how it doesn't apply to you and it's actually all good and that the Bible doesn't really mean that. So when you make your life stealing and you say, well, hey, Pastor Shane, you know, I'm thinking about leaving this church, but if you can show me in the Bible that, you know, that it's okay to steal, I'll stay. 
Well, if you guys know me, you guys know that my answer is pretty quick. Bye. Um, but that's not what happens. Well, see, stealing back then was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a cultural, you know, taboo. It's not that bad today, but back then it was really bad. So it, this kind of more applies to them. And, and, and they, we want to hear that. You know, so, so we, we hear things when we don't like stuff. We hear things like, you know, well, you can't take that too literally. You know, I was, I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine, and he was arguing with me because he's just like, I don't like it, Shane, when you say that the Bible's all about Jesus. You know, you say that the Bible's all about Christ. And I'm just like, well, the Bible says that it's all about Christ. You search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but it's they that bear witness of me. Jesus showed the disciple on the road to Emmaus all the things in scripture that pertain to him. And his response was, I think that you're taking that too literally. And so that, there's your out. You take that too literally. Some people will be like, you know, and, and we, we got we to gotta really stop doing this too. The, oh, you know what? That's the Old Testament. Because what it does when we say stuff like that is just, it communicates to everybody that the Old Testament and the New Testament is contradictory, and it is not. Not at all. There is nothing that the Old Testament prescribes that the New Testament hasn't prescribed as well. And if all the Bible is about Christ, then the Old and the New Testament are talking about the same thing. But we have that. Oh, well, we don't have to follow that because that's the Old Testament. Oh, okay, well, that answers our question. You think I'm lying. There is a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia right now that's telling you right now because the Ten Commandments exist in the Old Testament, you don't have to follow them anymore. That was then. This is now, Shane. Get with the times. This is a horribly dated book. It's just myths and legends. The Bible contains the Word of God. It was written by man. It goes on and on and on. And that out of context is the trump card today, isn't it? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I, Shane, I think you're taking that out of context. There are many roads to God, and G but Jesus just said that he's the only way to God. Well, you're taking that out of context, I think. Okay? But the reality is, this book has gone under the most hated and prejudiced persecution for more than 20,000 years and emerges time and time again as undefeated. None of these excuses work. None of the attacks have worked. Nothing at all. It's always, it always comes out standing. So what's the issue? The issue is, is because we love the darkness instead of the light. We want what we want. We want to do what we want. We want to experience what we want. And if the Bible gets in the way, we just say the magic words. You gotta read that in context. That's like the bane of my existence as a pastor when I'm in having counseling and I'm giving them scripture and those words come out, you know. Well, wife, the reason why you're having an issue is that we're having like a, a role issue here. So husbands, you are to love your wives, but wife, you're supposed to submit to your husband. Oh, you're Shane, you're taking that way out of context. Am I? Am I? Am I? 
that, that's just the trump card. You're just taking that out of context. Oh, well the, well, the Bible is pretty clear about transgender issues. Yeah, you're just taking that out of context. The Bible's pretty clear about homosexuality. Yeah, you're just taking that out of context. That's the trump card. All you got to do is do that. I can sit there and take you through it in context, and it still doesn't matter. Because all you're going to say is, well, that's just not the correct context. This is what I do. This is the purpose in my life. This is my destiny. If the Bible doesn't like it, then it's out of context because this is God's will for my life. And Shane, doesn't what God tell me trump what the Bible says? Oh, you think I'm lying? People tell me that all the time. Doesn't what God tell me trump what the Bible has to say? Why? Because men love the darkness instead of the light. The problem is, is we're all doing and, what it, and we're, covering, we're covering our eyes think when, when the, the bear is coming and we think that it's just going to go away. But the deception is, is that we think that there's no judgment coming. God gave us breath. He gave us his image. He gave us creation. He gave us his word. And we think that all this time, all the rebellion, everything that we're doing, all our out-of-context trump cards that we're plunking down so we can live life and do the things that we want to do, we think there's not going to be judgment for that. The wages of sin is death. He will separate and will cast some into eternal darkness. Oh, Shane, but I'm a Christian. Yeah. But you do know that the Bible says that some people are going to say to him, Lord, Lord, and he will say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. This is not a lie. It's not a fabrication. It's not me trying to get money from you. It's the truth of the scriptures. It's a truth from God, from a God who does not lie. All his promises are yes and amen, and whose word will remain forever. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and to live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Salvation is here. We can be saved today. And the promises in his words continue that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All of this are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. Salvation is here today. And we know this because it's in the word the very breath of God, a God who does not lie. His promises are yes and amen. And so family, today, when we walk out today, Christian, know this, you are more than a conqueror in Christ. Christian, you are a co-heir with Christ. You are a king and queen of the kingdom of heaven. 
We have life and life more abundant in Christ. We have received grace upon grace. We are his royal priesthood. We are his holy nation. We are justified. We are sanctified children of the living God. We are friends of God. Unless you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.